Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. And good morning to you. Welcome to Future Sense now on BFM 999. It's with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host over the other side there, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. All the way over the other side All here, Nick. Good morning. How are you? He's actually speaking to us from another dimension <laughs> in another galaxy. Uh, you know, he's, he's ascended, one could say, or maybe not. I don't know. No, no, you no, look pretty I, I just have an adjustable chair. <laughs> well, we need to have adjustable brains in this time on the planet because uh, clearly things aren't, uh, aren't very easy to apprehend with the, the the amount of uncertainty and complexity and ambiguity that exists. And I guess that also applies to the way that we approach how we do things on this planet and how we, uh, how we approach the many challenges that we do have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, today we're going to have a look at gratitude as a strange attractor. So <laughs> from a, a sort of advanced physics perspective, how gratitude can help us create things. And We'll look at what's happening in the world at the current time, as we always do, and make sense of what's up and look at some of the natural patterns and flows and why things are the way they are right now. Mm. And as part of that, and not exactly an opposition to, but the role of criticism and critique for change in the world. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thorny subject. It's hard to, for me, hard to actually think about that. Uh, it seems like to be critical is a good thing. It's... Uh, it's a natural bias in, in some senses, or some research suggests that we need to be critical in order to survive, that, uh, that it's important for us to drive as it's a driver. It's certainly, it's a natural dynamic, and particularly at this time as we're exiting the scientific industrial era, it makes a lot of sense that there is a lot of criticism and pushback against the old paradigm going on. Yes. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely to be expected right now. Mm. Uh, but the last thing we want to do is be critical of criticism. Right? <laughs> And we'll find out why. I, 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 yeah, I don't we'll know. I think I, I wouldn't mind being critical of a criticism, but that's because maybe I'm just too nice a guy, and I don't. <laughs> I'm not critical enough. It's a possibility. But you will have uh, some opinions out there. I, uh, I am sure we are sure, and you can always text in on our text line zero four three seven three four triple one nine. Make any contribution that you would like, and uh, we are in the position here to be uh, editors. We can be critical of your criticism, so we may not, or we may uh, refer to your texts. <laughs> But we will be grateful for you for receiving Indeed, them. always. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. 9.21 here on Future Sense with uh, Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald through till 11 o'clock this morning. Thanks for joining us and joining us all around the world possibly because we are broadcast everywhere you can hear us streaming bayfm.org and of course our podcasts go out a couple of days after here edited uh, via our website, you can tune in there, futuresense.it, that's a portal, or uh, at Futuresense Show, uh, Twitter accounts, you can certainly find us, not too, too difficult. And um, yeah, please do, please listen back. If you've just joined us recently, in recent uh, weeks, you can go back to uh, earlier editions and get a full spectrum. 
Well, this morning uh, we're talking a bit about gratitude and a little bit about criticism, two kind of completely opposite uh, approaches of the human being, the way that we are with each other. Uh, I'm just thinking about this and I'm thinking, you know, I wonder how, how much uh, an animal has gratitude and certainly I've never seen an animal criticised, but we don't really know, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. If you're yeah, a not. cat, <laughs> true. Yeah, you're a, you're a cat fan. I'm not a big cat fan. I have to say, but um, yeah, we're different there. Yeah, I like dogs. They're well known for rejecting their dear yeah, that's uh, true. cats. Yes. So yeah. So um, this is leading towards hacking the change process. Essentially, uh, understanding how change unfolds in a in a more complete way. And, and moving towards what is a, a second-tier consciousness approach to, cha- to working with change. And, uh, but I guess one of the, the key differences in the second-tier approach is that it no longer fights against uh, things in the change process, whereas mm-hmm. in the first tier, as we've you know, evolved right through to even this emerging paradigm, this uh, relativistic postmodern paradigm, is still in the first tier zone and it still tends to want to fight even though it's not fighting physically at this point you know we're we're evolving beyond uh, physical violence yeah. but there's still a lot of emotional violence and a lot of you know yeah. flat opposition to the way things have been yeah. um, and understandably and, so of course uh, of course not, it's it's absolutely yeah. natural so yeah. so this is not a, a criticism at all it's just simply pointing to what is and when we're at that stage, when we're moving out of the scientific industrial era, as we are right now, and we're becoming uh, more emotionally sensitive, more drawn to connect mm. deeply with other humans, and more to adopt, more likely to adopt a more peaceful approach to life and mm. everything in general. More able to be able to, as we say often, walk in, in moccasins, walk in, uh, in the shoes of another person, to exactly. have more empathy towards. Yeah, to really, to really be able to... Um, feel in an embodied sense what it's like to be in someone else's shoes even mm. though you're not them and you're not in the same circumstances as them but you, we can sense that yeah. as one of, a part of our expanding sensory perception uh, and we still have this built-in rejection factor though so all the way through from when we first became human and then started to change into what was next every time we go through a major transformation we have a strong tendency to reject what's come before. Mm. And that's part of our process of gathering energy to be able to make the transition uh, to, to what's next. Mm. So it's, a, it's an essential part of change in the first tier and it's playing out on a large scale right now with all of the protests that we're seeing yes. and civil unrest happening all around the world, which is really pushed back against the old ways. Heard this morning uh, that uh, in Lebanon with the protests there that they've actually formed a, a human chain across the whole country at the moment. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there's, and, and with that sort of protest, and I think also what's going on in Hong Kong, we're seeing perhaps a, a slightly different approach as they're trying very hard not to be excessively violent, not to not to be aggressive, and yet, of course, the pushback is going to bring up in some people that uh, understandable, to some degree, desire to, to fight too. So there is that because, of course, people in a protest are not all the same. They're not coming from the same place inside themselves as much as uh, some people may think that. The truth is that we're all different and uh, one person's response is going to be uh, not 
not someone else's. It's very true. It depends upon our, our driving values mm. where we're at on that spiraling uh, journey of change. And, and it's, you know, what you say is exactly right. We, we live in a very complex world and much of what we talk about on this show is a generalisation and we need to generalise just to be able to point out these different mm. value sets and, and what they look like and also to capture the, the overall global dynamic. So what's happening globally is a, you know, a sum of everybody's values and all of the behaviours that go with that. And at the moment, we're moving from a place where the world has been dominated by scientific industrial values, which have been very individually oriented and driven by personal success and impacted by the kind of social systems that have been constructed from that scientific industrial yeah. worldview. Yeah. And, uh, and we're very much into the change process now, although uh, there, there's more uh, tension to come before we sort of reach a, a global tipping point and uh, start to see those relativistic postmodern values dominate globally. We're not there yet. Mm. And um, one of the key signs of, of that tipping point is going to be the adoption, the widespread adoption of systems which are designed according to these new values. Yes. Um, socially, yeah. But as we move towards that, there is a lot of uh, emotional response and reaction to the changes uh, and the in instability on the planet in all sorts of directions it might be in your personal life or uh, certainly in, uh, in in global terms or in our societies so there's a lot of confusion a lot of denial and those are also indicators aren't they of that uh, that almost coming towards the bottoming out into the crisis into the true crisis before uh, change can really occur yeah absolutely um, one of the things I did years ago when I was working as a change consultant in Melbourne was uh, realizing that the emerging paradigm was was reorienting us onto the human experience in, a, in an anthropocentric way and it was also expanding our emotional capacity uh, i i looked at the work of dr elizabeth kubler ross who yes. did a body of research with uh, terminally ill patients yeah. and she mapped their emotional path you know through that change process from the first shock of realizing that mm. they were going to die um, which you know can be equated to any major change in life, although that's perhaps the most <laughs> most extreme change that we yeah. have to face as humans. Uh, and then how they navigated that terrain of coming to eventually a place of acceptance and being okay, you know, with that outcome. Uh, and uh, it maps absolutely onto Claire Graves's map of our change process and how we change, you know, from a values point of view. Mm. Um, and the, the two fit together quite well. So uh, we might um, take a short break and then come back and yep. I'll just talk us through how that maps and, and the emotions of change. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. 9.36 here on BFM on Future Sense uh, through till 11 o'clock this morning. Thanks for joining us, as I said, all around the world. And you can text in... At any time, zero four three seven three four triple one nine. We do have a text today, a bit of obscure, but actually oddly because it's sort of uh, on the mark. We will be talking about, I guess, words. Uh, why is misspelling the word cool a smart thing? I don't know what that question's about, but uh, I don't know if it's a smart thing or not. Certainly, the way we use words is important. That's certainly part of what we're talking about today when it comes to our languaging. And uh, I like to point to the fact that in English, at least, the word spell is exactly that. Words are spells. They are powerful. So the words that you use at all times for yourself, to yourself, in yourself, and certainly to others, 
and certainly with regard to the world, uh, has uh, has an effect. And uh, we'll talk a little bit to that too, because there is science that uh, that speaks to the neuro uh, the neurophysiology of uh, of how we use language and how we uh, how we lo- use things like gratitude, for example, with ourselves and with each other. If I say which words are spells, is that a statement or a question? <laughs> If you know the answer, text in. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> All right. So we're going to um, we're going to look at the the change process. Yeah, again. let's let's look at the uh, the change terrain. So, in Claire Graves' research, he mapped out uh, on a on a graph um, how we go through change, and it, it, it's a paradoxical pattern that he came up with. You know, we before we head in the direction of growth, personal growth, we first of all head in the opposite direction. So it's a paradoxical pattern, which is characteristic of all complex systems, any kind of uh, complex system, particularly complex adaptive systems, always seem to head in the opposite direction first in order to store and gather energy for the change. Mm. Uh, and, And that certainly showed up in the process of human change and particularly the transformation of human values, changing our our fundamental way of making sense of reality and, mm. and giving birth to a new worldview with new values, and uh, and so um, you know if you if you think of uh, positive change in as going in an up direction and and uh, negative change going in a down direction, we sort of flick downwards first before we go up. So mm. it maps out kind of like a roller coaster, uh, and if you look at any complex system change, and some obvious examples are the uh, performance of the stock market and also climate change you'll see in the graphs these you know jagged edged edged uh, uh, changes where the direction is reversed and it it seems to be a process of of, uh, like pulling back the elastic band on a slingshot we're always storing tension in that elastic band in order to propel us in the other direction Mm. so what uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross found is that when people first face change and and of course she was researching major transformational change in, mm. in other words you know the, the news that okay you're going to die soon yeah um, the first result is usually we go into shock so it's I guess it's an emotional overwhelm we, we don't we, mm. we, we feel like we can't cope with actually absorbing that information mm. and uh, and we can go into a, a place I guess of, um, of of being numb feeling numb and shocked, we get that physiological shock response in the body uh, where blood is drawn away from our extremities and pumped towards the, the vital organs, which is a basic survival response. Yeah. And we go through shock. And I guess um, pretty much in, in this day and age, we, especially with our communication devices, with the, the globe being so connected that uh, many people who are engaged with world issues probably feel shock on a daily basis. Uh, that's certainly a, mm. a, a probability, yeah. I mean, if you know, if people are tuned into the mainstream media, which yeah. tends to be focused on shocking things, I mean, yeah. this is, has been our definition of news, hasn't it? The more shocking it is, then the more newsworthy it is uh, in the mainstream media, and, uh, and and I think that's one reason why a lot of people are moving away from uh, consuming mainstream media. Yes, and, so, and seeking other explanations or alternative ways of seeing the change process because it is too shocking and it can be very confusing. And of course, there is a great deal of manipulation now, and always was probably with uh, things like. Uh, what we now know is fake news, but propaganda generally. So you can be shocked by something, but then very confused by what 
what amount of truth is actually inherent in whatever you're seeing there now. So it becomes even more difficult to actually understand how to respond, I think. That's very true. And the, the nature of the scientific industrial mind has, has been an exploitative one as well. So uh, you know, people have learnt that if you shock people, um, then you know, they become liable for manipulation in certain ways. And mm-hmm. that it's certainly mm-hmm. been used as a, as a tool. And we've spoken about propaganda and the invention of propaganda on the show before. Yeah. So that's certainly true. Um, and I was definitely an early adopter in that respect. I stopped watching uh, mainstream TV uh, back in 2003, actually, and, and don't regret that at all. Yeah, no, I don't think I've watched much mainstream TV for probably at least that long myself. I haven't yeah. had a proper television for a while. Yeah, and thankfully we live in a world now where we can be um, mindful about what we choose to consume and, mm. and we have choices. Uh, particularly through the internet, in terms of what we can tune into and what kind of news services you know we uh, we subscribe to. I think it's very interesting to notice as you consume, as you the word consume I will replace, <laughs> as you engage with what's going on on the planet in whatever way you do, uh, to notice what I've been noticing is what empowers you and what disempowers you. I think this is one question yeah. we could throw out there today too, because uh, clearly there's a there's a lot of it that is there in order to disempower you probably. Perhaps it's a conspiracy, perhaps it's uh, it's not, but certainly it would seem that that's, uh, that's something that is uh, part of the zeitgeist of these times of, with regards to media in particular. It is, and I think a lot of it has to do with our sensitivity as well. And what mm. I see when you're in from mm. studying Graves' work for years and years and years, and you know, talking to people about it and experiencing myself, um, I've got no doubt that our sensitivity increases as we evolve, and we become more open, we become more susceptible to to tuning into things, and so at the uh, let, let's say the less complex layers you know, on the spiral, we are quite literally less sensitive in many different ways mm. and so we're uh, in a way we're more tolerant to you know these raw shocking things they don't impact us as deeply mm. as they would if if we have opened ourselves up or our or if uh, if we're not tolerant we sort of respond in a more simplistic way you could say just a sort of knee-jerk reaction to things and that's enough that satisfies us and, and gives us some sort of sense of ego control I, I would uh, I would suggest when you see a story and you go well that's that's that uh, they're the baddies they've done wrong and I know what's right here and we should be you know we should be whatever yeah, position you're taking in terms of and uh, that's that's related to, to our changing values you mm-hmm. know like, like for example in the the authoritarian layer four on the spiral which relates to the agricultural era and still very very prominent in many different societies around the world uh, being right or being righteous and living a righteous right. life uh, is one of the core mm-hmm. aspects of, of our values and we we tend to latch on to a set of rules often religious rules but they don't necessarily need to be religious any kind of rules that are laid down by a higher authority which are attractive to us and uh, I, I guess there's some satisfaction that comes when we can prove to ourselves that we are righteous mm. by pointing to somebody who wasn't following those rules yes. and therefore had some unfortunate experience. Yes. And of course you'll feel connected to your particular tribe with that righteousness because there'll be those others that support you and that are part of your organisation, your church for example, who have the same general sense of opinion. So there's a comfortability in that, there's a settling in that into that tribal space. That's right, uh, that's right. And there's a great example of this in the news today. I woke up this morning and checked the headlines uh, briefly, as I do just to see what's going on. And uh, the US President Donald Trump was tweeting oh, yes. that uh, they had successfully 
uh, cornered the leader of ISIS and uh, he had died like a dog. And died like, like a dog, blew, and, and blew himself a, up like a coward and uh, like a dog. Yeah, and there was a, a real sense of mm. that righteousness coming through yeah. there, mm. which, which is also, you know, the, the people who are, are living according to those values also are often nationalistic because nationalism is, a, is another form of authoritarianism. Yeah. Um, and and you, that's the way you know you would expect people to behave from that set of values is that satisfaction that look we we live a righteous life our rules are correct people who don't follow our rules suffer these kinds of consequences yeah. they're dogs they're, they're cowards and dogs yeah. yeah it's unfortunate as soon as I and we're both of us as soon as I read that you know I mean it's probably I don't know this guy he was ISIS leader probably a pretty evil man in some context no doubt that's true uh, and uh, you know him going is uh, probably perhaps a benefit to, uh, to 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 many people out there that's probably true too but for the president of the united states to use that sort of language in that sort of way uh somehow you know uh, brings the whole thing down to the same level that they're responding to if you will yeah and that's true and i mean the whole narrative of evil people versus good people you know is a, is a product of a yeah. certain set of values are you with us or against us and, as george uh, w bush uh, used to say it, it also i mean again this sensitivity issue applies here where we at, at that fourth layer we may have gone through an initial heart opening uh, however yeah. that the capacity that gives us in an emotional sense, is to connect with a first person. So it really needs to be someone that we're in the presence of, mm. and it's it's still very easily within that value. Or sorry, sorry, it's still very easy within that value set to uh, simply write off and shield ourselves to to the impact mm. of you know somebody who we've classed as evil. We put them in a, a category. Um, they're not here. They're on the other side of the world. It's very very easy for us to sit back and be smugly satisfied. Mm. Uh, around their death and uh, it would be a very different experience if Trump had been in the presence of that guy when he blew himself up I can guarantee yeah. you know the, the impact would have been far more serious but yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this this removal um, from mm. the consequences of things is also itself a, a product of the scientific industrial era yeah where well, we've, you know, we've separated ourselves mm. from the consequences we've of this certainly with with the, with the drone attacks that uh, that are being contested quite a lot by some of those operators now we've seen a, a number of people come out and say well you know this was what i did i yeah. found myself in a, a bunker somewhere in the u.s um saying uh, yes kill these people here and watching them explode and thousands of miles away in one of these countries and that dispassionate, that, that disengagement, that detachment uh, is, you know, is very troubling. And some people are going, like, this is not good enough. I've just killed family people, no matter who they are and what they are said to have done. And I yeah. don't even know what they've done, really. I'm not even sure that they did those things. How do we know? Yeah, exactly. I've yeah. just blown them up. And, that, you know, those, those uh, confessions, if you want to call mm, them yes. that, uh, are evidence of a transformation of values in those people. You yeah. know, cl clearly, yes. they're, when they went into that work and started doing yeah. that work, that wasn't their value set, but through no. the experience of doing it, you know, it's it's opened them up to mm. change. Yeah, mm, indeed. Yeah. Take a break here on Bay FM. It's nine forty. You are tuned to Future Sense. Bay FM ninety nine point nine. One step ahead of reality as we know it. It's nine fifty four on Future Sense. Here, Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans through till eleven o'clock this morning. And we're talking about change dynamics today. We're working towards. Uh, understanding a second tier approach of, of change and just currently talking through the emotional roller coaster that comes with change and uh, we're going to get to talking about how that really shifts as we move into second tier mm. 
and and that of course opened up a whole lot of possibilities for working with change differently so uh, we we were just talking about shock being the typical first reaction to sudden Mm. unexpected change and the next progression from that once we start to get over the shock is is often to go into a place of denial so uh, i guess this is fundamentally driven by a fear of change whatever the change you know whatever we think the change might be bringing yeah and uh often there's a tendency to want just want to avoid the change altogether and and whether or not that's possible often it's not uh we we can still go into this place of avoidance and denial pretending that it's not going to happen um, and we're pretending that we don't have to go through it, don't have to experience it. Uh, and, and I guess there's a lot of that going on at the moment in the world as we progress through this paradigm shift of people avoiding the topic altogether and just pretend, pretending that life is going to keep going on uh, as usual for the next couple of decades. And uh, all of these compounding issues that we're facing at a global level just aren't going to stack up and, and come back to bite us. And this speaks to the importance of our immediate life conditions in the change mm. process and this is fundamentally why most people in the world are not responding to news of some of these big challenges that mm. we can see coming down the track is that their day-to-day life conditions haven't really changed much yeah uh, and uh, and it's it takes that immediate experience of something being different and and something uh, creating an evolutionary tension in us to actually get us to change and and this is also why uh, talking about change, even though there are many, many benefits that can come from that, and we, maybe we talk about that in a yep. minute, but but the, the process of just talking about change is often not going to create action in mm. other people around change. And, and of course, we've been seeing that for as long as people have been on earth, people wanting change, talking about the need for change, but not getting a response from just talking. Mm. Yes, well, someone says here, quote, <clears throat> which I don't have this source of, it's very simple, it's much easier to be a critic than an agent of change, and we do default there, and I think also when you're, you're talking about denial and avoidance, once, even when we engage with uh, with, the, with the changes in the world, with the things that need to be done, uh, then because things are so complex, I think also a lot of people find themselves fixating on one, uh, one explanation for things, one set of uh, this is how it's going to be, this is what we need to do, uh, and in a sense avoid or deny contradictory information because it becomes more complex and more difficult then to, to find a way to, to decide what sort of action needs to be taken. That's right, and you're, you're talking to the next step in the yep. process there, which is confusion. So shock, denial, right. and typically confusion, yes. not knowing what to do, mm. uh, you know, feeling overwhelmed, uh, not having the answers, mm. and then grasping at straws to try and make sense, explain to yourself, mm. you know, come to grips with what's happening and perhaps why it's happened. As I say in the acronym VUCA, which we've mentioned a couple of times, V-U-C-A, vulnerability, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Yeah. Which are really the uh, the, the descriptors of, of the world we now live in, pretty much. Yeah, and, and its confusion zone is perhaps one of the most difficult aspects of the change process uh, because what's actually happening here is where we're being faced with the evidence that our previous values, our previous ways of living aren't working. Yeah. And they have worked for so long that obviously we've become comfortable. We've we've found those things to be our anchor points in reality. Uh, you know, we can always go back to, to our values and know that, okay, when I've done this in the past, it's always worked. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. now it doesn't work. And it's like we have our anchor points cut away and we, we drift like a ship that's lost its anchor at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, 
and that's very confusing, also very frightening because it, mm. it implies a, a lack of control. Mm. And of course, we're seeing that with a lot of our young people with regard to the to the climate change situation. Um, teenagers who have come out of the streets and all those actions that we've seen in the last few months uh, are compelled by, I guess, uh, all of these uh, first shock and um, maybe probably a, a very quick movement through denial and avoidance to a, a place of like it's complex, it's confusing, and I have to get do something and uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of aggressive energy you could say a lot of anger that arises out of the injustice of things in the world understandably so but all part of the process as we move through yeah and you could say that this movement through change is mm. a, an unconscious movement it's it's being buffeted by the the currents and often i talk about the process of change is being kind of like crossing a river and if you are not familiar with the river you don't know where the currents run you know say it's a fast flowing river then crossing the rivers is a damn frightening thing because you know that once you jump into the water you're committed to whatever the current's going to do to you but yet you don't know which way the currents are flowing whether you're going to get sucked under caught in a whirlpool and stuck or, or something like that or maybe smashed against a rock so uh, this this is the, the really a good analogy for the change process it's like jumping into a river once you jump you're committed you can't go back uh, and you've got to go with the flow. And uh, when we don't understand what the currents are, how things are going to flow, then it's it's a very frightening thing to do. Mm. Um, but it's that it's that um, plunging in, that immersion in a change process, and and the loss of our anchors, our anchor points on the previous bank, which then provide the impetus for us to actually swim. And uh, and and so in the same way, you know, this this is this descent down into a place of crisis and chaos, which is often uh, typified by anger. Yeah. Uh, so, so we've gone through shock, denial or avoidance, uh, confusion, and then into typically anger. Or if we're unable to get in touch with our anger and express it, then it become it can become buried, and so we go into depression. And uh, you're referring to the, the younger generations where we're seeing a lot of talk in the media at the moment about that depression that's arising from the climate discussion which, yeah. which comes from you know a, a lack of knowing what to do a lack of a, an obvious solution uh, and, a, and I guess a feeling of helplessness like we, we can't make a difference at the moment Indeed. and it's in this place at the bottom of the of the dip and if you imagine this mm. change journey being a, a bit like a, a roller coaster ride where you're going down into a big dip and at the bottom you're bottoming out and uh, you that's where the tens tension is maximized uh, and in the same way as a roller coaster works as you as the roller coaster is going down into that dip it's also storing energy for the rise up the other side right so that's exactly what's happening here mm. it's that evolutionary tension being stored uh, often expressed as anger and at the bottom of the dip it's it's like the alchemist's furnace it's like the pot yes. on the stove where things, things reach a critical term. temperature yeah. they start to boil right. they get transformed you know things merge and change mm. and that is uh, experienced in our body as changes in our neurochemistry yeah. and rewiring of networks and those sorts of things. And it has to be burnt right down in the alchemy, alchemical process to dust, basically, to white powder in the, in the sort of proper uh, alchemical transfiguration trend of, uh, I think the, the term is calcinadio, that's that uh, part that you're talking about there, that yes. burning down. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that, that then leads to the tipping point where through these transformations that take place within us, we, we find uh, through insights some new framework for making sense of our reality mm. and and that then gives us a glimpse of new anchor points mm. 
and it's not it's not over yet by any means but we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and this is where the breakthroughs mm-hmm. occur in the change process and we start to rise up the other side of the roller coaster ride and uh, and typically as we're shooting up the other side we become aware that oh gosh shit we've got all this momentum from coming down uh, into the dip and now it's pushing us back up so that's a wonderful relief mm-hmm. it's a very exciting place to be uh, but we're not through the change process yet we have to actually ride through that and and have some integration process and, and support to bed down these new changes within us before we reach the, the rise on the other side of the roller coaster trip. And of course, there's always the danger at that bottoming out of, of be, becoming stuck. And we're seeing in the world, particularly in the Western world, a, a great increase in various mental health issues and depression being a very strong one. We see a rise in suicide rates in, in the first world, in many cases, pretty much across the board, and other serious mental health problems. We see the opioid crisis in America and in this country and so on and so on as uh, as results of that as well uh, for people actually not using that energy uh, bottoming up and actually finding that energy stuck in these sort of mental health issues yeah and we're on one hell of a roller coaster ride as a global community right now we're navigating a change process that is going to take perhaps decades uh, my best guesses uh, i don't pretend to predict the future but my best best guesses to a kind of a global tipping point point to early the early 2030s so we've got quite some years ahead of us and of course different people are going through the change process at different rates and different times globally depending on their local life conditions so for many people they're already experiencing this crisis for a whole bunch of people things things are fine Mm. you know life's comfortable life's good and all these people are a bit crazy that are talking about the problems you know so uh, over time everybody's going to in some way go through a shift Mm. over the next decade plus and uh, I, the more we can understand this pattern, the more we can teach people about the terrain that needs to be traversed during the, the change process, the, the emotions that we need to experience and how we go about changing, then the smoother the ride can be for yes. people. Indeed. Thanks for some of your texts coming in. Thanks for hello, good morning, love the show, keep up the good chat from Ben. Um, and also from D, who's written, that's a D with a, a capital D, I'm not sure who that stands for. Um, empathetic understanding is the grace of the 21st century that will deliver us from the old demonizing blame games of the past as I tell my daughter there are no bad people darling just sometimes people can do mean things because they are stressed and scared they are still good darling she she repeats it back to me and gets it really gets it because she has not been programmed otherwise thankfully not yet as Shakespeare said of course you know there's nothing good or bad but thinking makes it so yeah, that's really great. And uh, often those people who we do label as evil or bad are simply people who don't have the capacity to to sense and and perceive the the impact of their actions on other people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in you know particularly, I mean, in uh, Graves's sort of scale in his model, the third layer, which he called egocentric, is is one of the extreme examples of that, where we act very much upon our own needs and wants and desires in the moment, mm. and literally don't have the capacity to really understand how we're impacting other people, yeah. and and that the the emergence of that capacity to start to sense that is what triggers the transformation into the next layer, yes. of course. And clearly, when we're looking for world change and some of the big issues, uh, the obvious one like climate change, uh, we have to take into consideration that there are a very large number of people on the planet who simply do not respond in the way that uh, we might respond to these sort of things and in the way that Steve is talking about, have a completely different perspective and different way of responding to life. That's right, yeah. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast 
on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.